Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Give me a break. That's what we're going to do, Michael. We're going to be like accountants now in baseball. Uh, was it the Pythagorean theorem? The Pythagorean theorem said that the Red Giants offensive line, that their record should be one in one. That's the Pythagorean theorem said that the Giants offensive line, that their record should be two and all. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. 40. 40 years. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder, director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. And we are your hosts here on this edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Very excited to have the gang back together. Uh, and uh, we are going to get into uh, some fun stuff today, talking about the most overrated prospects at each position so uh kyle i know that you love a good contrarian take and that's what we're doing today yeah i know i uh certainly love to ruffle some feathers from time to time joe which i'm actually very proud of you for embracing that side of your social media presence yourself trending in the right direction yeah you know you, you clap back at some folks and uh, yeah, maybe a few, maybe yeah, a few this no, year. If, if they punch up, you punch down, man. That's the way it should go. <laughs> okay, well, I'll uh, continue to embrace my uh, my villain side of things. Um, what what else, Kyle? What's going on, man? I feel like it's been a while since we've been on here for the people together. Yeah, I What's... think it's been probably what since last Wednesday. It's the last time both of us were on the on the air together. Wow. You soloed one, then I soloed yeah. one, right? And then, yeah, yeah okay. Well, it, we didn't mean for that to happen. Well, we lost the recording on one. So yeah, we had to piece it together. Yeah. Uh, seems to be a common theme this spring. What have we done? 
We've done 500 podcasts together, Kyle. We <laughs> still can't figure out how to record it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, without yeah, we you, have... without you, let me just say, it's been a long day without you, my friend. Do you know this wow. song? Do you know this song? Uh, no, I don't. But we used to sing a lot. About it when I see you again. We've come a long way. No. Not, not picking uh, up what I'm putting down, huh? I mean, if it's not like a country music song, then I'm not going to know it. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Good it's reminder Charlie for the people. Charlie Pugh, man. Yeah, so I don't even know who that is. He did. It's the song that they played when, uh, what's his name, died. <laughs> okay. Walker, the, the Fast and Furious guy. Paul Walker? Paul Walker. Yeah, when Paul Walker died, that was like his, his jam. All right, well, I've learned something today. So anyway, we're going to talk <laughs> bad about football players today. So I don't have to talk bad about your music knowledge on draft deeds. We're going to talk most overrated prospects, Joe. Yeah. And there's a couple of them. So what you and I have done is we've gone through each and every position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, corner, and safety. And uh, we've brought some names to the table here, and we're going to explain why we feel these players are overrated. So, Joe, would you like me to start talking about Josh Allen, or would you like to start (laughs) talking about Josh Allen? No, you know what? I'm going to take this one because this is something I'm, I live with. Um, the possibility, the strong possibility, it seems, that the Bills are going to draft Josh Allen and uh, likely give up a lot of draft capital to do so. And there's two things lately in my mind that have been weighing. And the first is that Josh Allen's going to have to play the best football of his life in the NFL. And not that that's not true for every single quarterback or player that's going into the NFL, but he literally has to reinvent himself. And you know how it's funny, like you hear GMs when they make a, a draft pick on a quarterback high in the draft, they'll say, you know, what, what does he need to do? What, is, what does this player need to do? And they say things like, um, you know, they just need to be themselves. They need to do what, what's got them to this point, work hard and, and, and become part of our culture. But, you know, there's no pressure on him. They just need to, he needs to be himself. Well, Josh Allen needs to reinvent himself. You know, this guy's an overstrider. He's a slow processor. He needs to completely stylistically reform the way he plays quarterback to have success in the NFL. And Buffalo, by all indications, is prepared to trade all this capital to move up and get Josh Allen. And that's something that um, I think is very stupid. And... For a quarterback that I think is more valued third, fourth round, I know you even further down, is going to go in the top five and a team's going to give up assets to get him. Really blows my mind. I'm really surprised that Brandon Bean will be willing to hitch his wagon to Josh Allen and his future, his tenure, uh, riding on his success. I not Couldn't be me. Wouldn't do it. I mean, listen, this is the arrogance of coaching at the highest level, right? There's no coach in the game regardless of the level, that's going to look at his raw talent and say, I can't fix that. So that's where, obviously, the appeal comes in. This is something that we've talked pretty extensively about 
trying mm-hmm. to solve the riddle of why Josh Allen is as appealing as he is, and it's because he has the things that you can't coach when you look at him physically. But does he have the things that you can't coach when you work with him mentally? And that's really the answer that's no, and that's the arrogance of, of coaching at this level is to say, I can get him to, to think straight. You know, you you see the flashes, and I can draw that out of him. And um, it would not – I would be letting somebody else jump on that. If, uh, if I needed quarterback, Joe, I do stand with you. This is a player that for me – uh, is rated as an early five, you know, late four. You know, you could justify him in my eye at the at the beginning of day three because of the position that he plays and the role traits that he has. But not a player that I'd be considering in the top five at all. And it uh, seems like even the media is torn on it, which I find really interesting. You know, kind of buying into the traits and. You know, the kind of the the dual threat aspect of him, and you know the wow throws, and just just not my guy. As as we wrap up quarterbacks, I think that's the best way to leave it. He's just not my guy. So Joe, another guy that's not my guy, Rashad Penny. Now listen, that sound you hear is the masses fetching their pitchforks, but I'm going to talk you all down off the ledge by telling you that I like. Rashad Penny. I think he's a good running back. But when you start putting him into the conversation of better than Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, <clears throat> my friends, you've got another thing coming. Because I, I, I think that is where the mis-evaluation of Penny takes place. Penny is a good back who does a lot of things well. But I don't think he does anything great. He's coming from an offensive system that has churned out 14, 1500 yard rushers every year since like 2005. Like they just they they are capable of running the football. His pass protection skills are not very strong or developed. So this is a player that now all of a sudden you have some apprehension. Is he going to be able to play on all three downs early on? Is that going to put him behind, keep him off the field? You see that with rookie backs a lot. And there's just not a lot of development to Penny's pass protection in that aspect of his game. So you put all those things together, and this is an early day three. I have a fourth-round grade on Rashad Penny, and... You know, if I got him there, I'd feel really good about it. 124th overall player on the board, and I'd be excited and, and think that this is a guy that can take a majority of your carries out of the backfield, but you may need a little bit of time to get there. But that doesn't put him in the same stratosphere as a Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle, and that's why Rashad Penny's my overrated running back. My overrated running back is Carrion Johnson, running back from Auburn. I don't hate Carryon Johnson, kind of like you were saying with uh, Penny. He's a fourth-round grade for me, 109 overall. I just don't think this is a player that projects as a feature back. He's more of a niche complementary piece. I like the size, like his balance, but you know, you're not going to get anything in terms of elusive traits. To me, he's more of a, a short yardage specialist, the guy that's going to be a between-the-tackles banger. I think he sees the field pretty well, but I do think he requires bodies to be moved out of the way for him to be over, overly effective because 
you know, I don't think that he has a whole lot of burst. I mean, this is a guy, you see him, he gets into space, he's looking behind him, waiting for guys to catch up. And um, I, I just don't think he's got a lot of play speed. I do think he has pretty good nuance for a short yardage runner. He doesn't just, you know, run into the backs of his offensive linemen. He does find the space. But, uh, you know, by and large, I just don't think this is an every down back. And if I'm going to take a, a running back in the first, second, third round, you know, I don't want this as a guy that I think can help me in, in every type of carry and, and as, a, as a receiver and all the, all the different things. I want him to be more multifaceted than I get from Carrion Johnson. And so for those reasons, this is my overrated back, and I think this is more of an early day three guy. Kyle, I'm going to move us right along here to wide receiver where – I'm going to go with DJ Chark, Uh-oh. LSU wide, re- yeah, LSU wide receiver. There's some some sudden uh, first round buzz around DJ Chark, and I have a hard enough time slotting Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton, and now I got to find the spot for DJ Chark. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I like DJ Chark. He's a player that I think would be a very good third round pick. But I think he's another one of those guys that's more of a niche guy. He's a vertical guy, a guy that really has really outstanding straight line speed. He tracks it well. He centers up, settles underneath it, and, and he's very good in terms of getting that vertical push in the straight line. Um, I do think the rest of his game needs to be developed. You know, he doesn't. He's not a route salesman. Not a guy that's really going to sell his breaks and create leverage in the short and intermediate areas of the field. He's a player that, um, when you look at his hands. He allows the ball into his frame routinely. You know, he's not a regular, but snatch it away from the his frame with the arms extended. He, he kind of will groove it in. And, um, you know, I, I just think that he's got a little bit of tightness. I know it's kind of weird to say a guy with four, three straight line speed is tight, but watch him try to run an in-breaking and out-breaking pattern. He's not as not nearly as, as fluid as you think he's going to be. So I love the, the vertical speed. I love he's got some size to him. I like the ball tracking skills, but... You know, I just don't think he's a complete player right now, and, you know, he's more of a third-round guy than a first-round or even a top-50 guy. Joe, I think you described Chart to a T. I would agree with the vast majority of everything you said, but my overrated player is Antonio Callaway from Florida. Uh, If for no other reason, this guy's a psychopath, right? Like, we're talking about (laughs) Callaway getting talked up as potentially being like a day two pick. and uh, The guy didn't play all of 2017 for credit fraud. He was accused of sexual assault in 2016. Uh, He can't catch the ball with his hands with any consistency whatsoever. He is an extreme underachiever. My comparison here is Sammy Coates. And I know Sammy Coates had a couple productive years with Pittsburgh before he started his bounce around the league. But, um, you know, I think he's more of an athlete than a receiver. So you put all these things together, and, you know, there's a litany of off-the-field issues and, and alarming things that need to be vetted and addressed. He doesn't show a ton of polish. Now, he does have a lot of quickness at the top of his stem, but, again, I I think the phrase that you use for Chark as far as not being a route salesman is also applicable to Callaway. Callaway plays fast, but he doesn't manipulate you. He just relies on his speed. And then obviously receivers, the the primary responsibility of receivers is to catch the ball. And Callaway is body catcher, 
I mean, he traps screen passes into the body. He really fights it when he has to catch it away from his frame. Uh, doesn't always cleanly get the nose of the football when he has to extend for the ball. So Callaway, for me, you know, you, you see some buzz about you know, him being highly rated, if not for the off-the-field things, but even the on-the-field product for me. just He was not a player that moved the needle for me all that much, Joe. Almost like he needed that senior year to develop. Oh, weird. Or that final year. Yeah. For the help. Yeah, probably. Or even his junior year. <laughs> to be able to play. But we digress. We're going to move on to tight ends and talk about Ian Thomas. Uh, there's some people that I really respect in this industry that are big Ian Thomas fans. Uh, I am not one of them. And I'd like to think I respect myself. So, Ian Thomas... <laughs> Out of Indiana. Uh, I had a really pleasant first experience of him watching him against Ohio State in the season opener week one this past year. And then the next time I got around to watching Ian Thomas was against Virginia and then against Penn State. And then I got him at the Senior Bowl. And the Senior Bowl was just a hot mess for Ian Thomas. So I go back and I, I do the film assessment because I, I left the Senior Bowl with a lot of questions and uh, didn't seem like he really, the more I watched him, the more I thought he was more one-dimensional than I thought he was. Uh, as far as working in line and, and with his hand in the ground, uh, it seemed like he really bullied smaller defenders but you got viable defensive linemen or defensive ends that he was tasked with, with trying to gain any kind of upper hand on and it, you know the, the effort was poor secondary effort was poor uh, did not play with a consistent hand strike or the footwork to be able to to mirror and stay in front of guys I think he needs more work as a blocker than uh, some other people credit him with needing and with that in mind, uh, you see a lot of talented receivers, and I didn't even get into some of the route running things with Ian that, that I was not a big fan of, but you see a lot of talented receiving style tight ends get into the NFL. And if you can't block, your reps are limited. So from that regard, I'm really apprehensive about buying in high on Ian Thomas, a guy who only started 11 games at the college level and, and has a lot of rawness to his game. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Kyle, for me, I'm going to go with Will Disley, the tight end from Washington. And not that I think collectively he gets a ton of buzz, but there was a point in time where Mike Mayock, fantastic analyst from NFL Network, had him as tight end five in this class, and I think that's irresponsible. Because if you've watched his tape, there's no way you would think he's a top five tight end in this class. Obviously, the thing with him, the appeal is that he can block. 
converted defensive lineman, 262 pounds. He can move bodies. He is powerful, and he is an aggressive run blocker, and I appreciate that about him. But if you're going to be a top-five tight end in this class, you better be able to receive the ball. And you watch this guy, and he, he is, there's no nuance to the way he runs routes. It's, it's about like me. If you plug me into the Washington offense and ask me to run routes, it'd be, look very similar. He's just a space finder. He's a dump-down option. He's a guy that's going to sit between zones, show his numbers, and, and be a check-down option. You know, I don't think this is a guy that's ever going to be able to re- regularly separate in the NFL. He's got good enough hands to catch it when it gets there. But, you know, he's not going to snap his hips around and look for the football and catch it in stride and make plays in that way. And so, you know, I, I think that if you're looking for that specialist, that niche, number three tight end, and that's an important thing for you, all right, go get him in the sixth round. Go get him in the seventh round. But, you know, for a guy that ever was considered as a fifth best tight end in this class, I just, I just don't see that with an extremely limited receiving skill set. Especially when you consider this is – you know, a really pleasantly deep tight end group overall, right? You got names like Dallas Goddard, uh, Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, whom I'm forgetting at least Kisicki. one big one, Mike Isicki, yeah. Uh, I w- Even if we're not calling Jalen Samuels, who I would consider a tight end, H-back style player, Tyler Conklin, Troy Fumagalli, yeah. All better players. Chris Herndon. Yeah. I, I think Conklin, Fumagalli, and Herndon give you better or comparable inline stuff. Maybe not as physically strong at the point of attack, but they're much more blended players and can give you viable inline work. So I, I think that appeal is kind of lost. Even guys like Dalton Schultz and Durham Smythe, right? Like Dalton Schultz might be the best blocking tight end in this class. So, if we're looking at the blocking appeal of things, Joe, um, as we segue to offensive linemen, what a beautiful tee I've set this on. I'd probably take Dalton Schultz's blocking acumen over Brian (laughs) O'Neill's while we're talking about overrated players. Uh, Brian O'Neill, former tight end. Okay, so let's... Let's make sure we paint this picture accurately. This is a player that has not played offensive tackle all that long. So it makes sense that he's a tremendous athlete, and it's admirable, amazing even, that he's kept all of that athleticism while stacking on the weight to play offensive tackle. But from a technical standpoint, what is going on here? It's He's lost in the weeds, and offensive tackle like quarterback, like really any position, I'm not betting high on traits, betting that I'm going to get them to turn the corner when the football IQ and technical side of the game just sits so low. And that's where I really feel like Brian O'Neill is. You can tell this is a player that's brand new to the position. And yet we're in conversation because he's a great athlete of potentially being, you know, a, a top 50 pick, which to me is insanity. Because, no, you can't coach him to be so fluid and fast and explosive and quick in short areas. But can you teach him to do a pass set? I don't know, and that's a core fundamental piece of the position. 
not something that I would be betting on. Kind of like, do you remember LaRaven Clark out of Texas Tech? Like, LaRaven was really mm-hmm. talked up as this you know, big, long arms, like 36-inch arms, and he's big and strong, and he's mobile. And he sucked, too. <laughs> like, he was not good coming out of Texas Tech. And he ended up going in the third round, which is at least somewhat reasonable to go in the middle rounds. But LaRaven had a long way to go, and, and his playing reps to this juncture have not been pretty. And I think whoever is taking Brian O'Neill, if you're going to ask him to play early, you're signing yourself up for the same thing. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you're somebody who's going to get honeypotted by length, you know, 34-inch arms and foot speed, then and this is your guy. Brian O'Neill is your guy. And, you know, you talked about the functional strength, which is a huge concern, the pass sets where he really he has this bad tendency to open his hips, and, and it gives the pass rushers a two-way go inside and outside. It's, he softens both angles right for him. And, and, you know, it's a huge concern. And, and you know, part of the, the appeal with a guy like Brian O'Neill is you think maybe this can be your swing tackle, your backup. He played primarily left tackle at Pitt, and at the senior bowl he played right tackle. And every no, problem that you right tackle. Yeah, well, every problem he had at left tackle was a hundred times worse at right tackle. I mean, just just total nightmare, total nightmare on the right side. So now you have this unique situation where you have a left tackle only, but not a good left tackle, right? So a, a developmental tackle that doesn't give you any upside to play on the right side. I mean, it's he's kind of a very unique, bizarre prospect, and. I do like his ability in space. You know, he's actually let's give him credit where it's due. He gets out. He gets out in space, even in the perimeter. He'll hit defensive backs Absolutely. on move. I mean, give, he can do that. And so, like, this is more of a utility offensive lineman type player, where you know he's going to be that sixth guy. You know, you kind of use him as that third tight end in a way. And, but uh, you know, I think there's a, just a long, long way to go uh, in terms of plugging him on the left side. I've seen some ridiculous comparisons that he's got Lane Johnson type upside and I think that's that's really sure cool. if everything goes right right yeah but it, Johnson had strength coming out yeah. did you did you ever question his power I, I mean I've got major concerns that he's got an anchor worthy enough to play in the NFL so um, I feel bad for the preseason quarterbacks that'll be relying on him uh, to uh, to protect them when they're trying to make a team but uh, anyways, yeah, Kyle, I, I mean, I don't have anybody different. I think that Brian O'Neill, when you think about overrated offensive linemen in this class, you know, he, he's he's the poster one for that. Now, I have one final question for you, Joe. I'm putting you on the spot. All right. Can his hands really be that bad? Is he a developmental tight end? Oh, well, yeah, it's interesting. I thought you were going to ask me about his hands as a blocker, so I was no, looking at No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't have Kenny yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my notes on him as his hands in passing, in pass sets and as a run blocker are pretty poor. Yeah, you know, he caught that. They did that play where yeah. they leak him out, you know, yeah. to have him as the tackle throwback. Um, yeah, he did that. Um, I, we know he could catch something. I don't know. He's maybe like, He's got a better 40 time at 297 than Will Disley at uh, 262. Oh, boy. Here we go. Just <laughs> back on Disley. Well, look, I, he's got better physical traits than Disley All to play. All right, Joe, that's going to do it for us today on the Dudes. Wrapping up our overrated offensive prospects. And we'll be back on 
Saturday, right, Joe? Saturday. Sometime soon. Sometime soon, probably Saturday, to do the defensive side of the football in what is our final weekend show before the 2018 NFL Draft. But do not fret. This show will go on after the NFL Draft. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow along because we have a ton of new content to break down, finally, as these picks are made. So we'll be wrapping up the 2018 NFL Draft throughout the course of May, breaking down who your team picked, why it's good, why it's bad, why you should be excited. Make sure you also swing over to NDTScouting.com, FanRagSports.com. We're putting in our final mock drafts over the course of the next week. Final wow. drafts. Joe has to defend his 2017 mock draft championship. Huddle Report 2017. He's got his name in the record books. Joe, we've never decided what's on the line with our 2018 oh, mock draft, so that's going to be our homework for Saturday. Okay. If you guys have any recommendations for things that we need to wager on who has the more accurate 2018 mock draft, please let us know. You can reach Joe at the Joe Marino, and I am at NDT Scouting on Twitter. Thanks for following on on the Draft Dudes podcast. We will catch up with you this weekend and hang in there, guys, because I know this draft fatigue is setting in, but we are very, very close. We're about a week away. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.